Opinions expressed in this episode are personal. They do not necessarily reflect the views of this streaming platform. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I am your host, Andrew Stout. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who supported me through this journey. So when I spoke to this guest, we talked about what topics that we could discuss and what hit me right away was something that she teaches and does talks on and conferences on. And it's a topic that's called leadership intensive. And I just thought, what a great topic to talk about. I just think it's so important. And I am very eager to always talk about leadership topics or anything involving leadership. So I thought, what a great topic. And I'm so happy to have as my guest today, the amazing Becky Wolf. Now, Becky Wolf is a leadership consultant with Giant Worldwide and has a history and passion for coaching and extends over a decade. Becky started her career as a physician assistant over 17 years ago and has worked in various settings, including ER, cardiology, urgent care at Mount Union University as well. Becky began health coaching 11 years ago while practicing cardiology and has extensive experience in motivational interviewing and behavior modification. Becky now exclusively coaches individuals and organizations with the goal of creating healthy workplace environments with higher engagement and less turnover. She specializes in helping leaders and teams recover from burnout and safeguard themselves from burnout in the future. She has coached over 100 clients towards health. She is also a mom of two boys, and in her spare time, she enjoys hiking and at the gym, weightlifting, keeping herself in shape. When I met this person, I knew right away that I just simply had to have her on. She just has the it factor, and today is a great day because we finally get her on. Welcome to the show, Becky. It is an honor to have you on as a guest today. Oh my gosh, Andrew, thank you so much. Uh, You can't see my smile, but I'm smiling ear to ear because I am beyond grateful to be on this podcast with you. It is a pleasure to have you. We've been talking a while and I know we scheduled this months ago. And when I saw that it was on the docket last week, saying they would be on the following week, I was pretty excited. And now we're here. How are things with you, Becky? What's new in your world? How's the weather? How was your summer? Did you get away with the boys? How's work? Tell us everything. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Life has been good. It has been so fulfilling and good and meaningful and all the things. Summer was good. I had intentionally planned my summer this year. First time I've ever done it with really planning out stuff for the kids and I to do. And my whole goal was at the end of it to get the boys their opinion on how the summer went. And before school started, I was like, okay, rate your summer one to 10. Give me an idea of where things are at. And I got solid like nines and tens. So we're really close to like the full potential of what they wanted, but it was awesome. We honestly just were so good with intentional time being outdoors. My kids love to fish. And so just being outside with them was a blast. Back in school schedules are uh, all taken care of. So life is good there. Awesome. It sounds like you guys fit all well, because I know you like to be outdoors and your kids are like to be outdoors. So it makes it a lot easier to be outdoors. I know some kids don't like to be outside because 
bugs or what have you. So it's, it makes it easier for you to say, hey, let's go do this. Let's go outside. Let's go for a walk. And they're always game for that. So I think that's yeah. pretty cool. They are. They like getting dirty. And I spent the majority of my childhood outside. <laughs> I can get dirty with them and I don't care. I just, I love being outside. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that everything went well. Thanks for sharing your time and work is going good as well. Yeah. Work has really pumped up, honestly, it just ramped up and it's been such a gift, honestly, to just work with so many different leaders, such meaningful conversations and people just genuinely wanting to be better leaders. So I couldn't ask for uh, more, honestly. I just absolutely love what I get to do every day. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it's nice to hear as a leader myself, it's nice to hear that leaders want to develop and become better leaders. I call myself a lifelong learner and I enjoy doing these podcasts because I believe I always take something out of all of them. And I never say that I know everything because I don't. I think it's impossible. And I think when you say the learning, then you are not open to learning. So that's not my mindset. I'm open to discussing, having conversations with people and learning something new all the time. So, Yeah. And I love that. I love the podcast and just your ability to highlight people. And I'm the same way, Andrew. I love just learning from different people. So it's a joy to get to have conversations with people with the same perspective of we get the opportunity to learn uh, from each other. So beautiful. It is. Before we begin, Becky, I always have a fun question to ask my guests to get things going. Are you ready for yours? I'm a little nervous, but let's do it. So my question to you is, which would you prefer and why? Eat a whole stick of butter or drink a whole bottle of maple syrup? Oh, I love this game. So first of all, my kids and I play this all the time. (laughs) Would you rather is like at the dinner table and it's in the car consistently. So I'm going to ask them this question. (laughs) So if you would have caught me probably like a year ago, I would have gone for the maple syrup, but I'm going to say the butter. Let's go with the butter. And why would you say the butter? I think I'm like more of a salty person. (laughs) Like my salt intake is much higher than it used to be, (laughs) which is probably not necessarily a great thing, but yeah. So I'm going to go with the butter. Let's do butter. Yeah. I think I'm a salt person as well. I do like maple syrup for sure on pancakes and French toast and stuff like that, for sure. And I'll even throw it on my eggs. But if it's a snack, I will go for salt over sweet at this stage of the game any day of the week. Not saying I won't eat sweets, but if I had a choice between a bag of chips or a brownie, I'd probably go with the chips. That's just me. And depending on the day, I might dab a little bit of both. But (laughs) the chips are probably the first first (laughs) thing that I would grab. So what you're saying is you'd go for the butter too. I would probably go for the butter at this point, unless it was pancakes, obviously. I would put butter on the pancakes, and then I would probably put the maple syrup for sure. So I'd probably do both. So I'm going to cheat a little bit on that one. For sure. So now I want pancakes. Great. Yeah, you know what, Becky? I appreciate you having fun with me. Um, it was exactly how I expected it to go. Lots of fun. And I just love your answers. So thanks again for having fun with me. Why don't we start off this awesome conversation with you telling us a little bit about you and your story? Yeah. So I started my medical career. I was 22 and started in medicine initially, found my way to the ER. So I started as a physician assistant, went into the ER two and a half years, and then spent almost seven years in cardiology. And that's when I found health coaching. I saw this injustice of 
not being able to help people get well, get off medications, lose weight. And our healthcare system in the US, there was like, well, if you want to help people, send them to a dietitian. And I would do that and get really frustrated when they came back and nothing had really changed. And I'm like, there's more to this than just diet. So started doing some research on my own. And that's when I found health coaching and got certified for clinicians, essentially. So really helping people with habits, motivational interviewing, behavior change, those types of things. And then created a a program at the clinic I was working in and started coaching patients after hours. And that's when I fell in love with coaching. There was a, a patient that I had been following pretty closely for six months, and he was the change maker for me. He actually was seeing his primary cardiologist and he asked the doc to come get me. And I went into his room and I was about an hour late in office and frustrated because I was behind, didn't eat lunch and took a deep breath and sat down. And I'm like, what's up? What's up, Mr. Jones? Looking at him and he looked a little different, but I couldn't place why. And he said, Becky, I want you to know what you're doing matters. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I see patients every day, completely like blew over where he was going with this. And he was like, no, I want you to understand you're the only person that listened to me. And I'm like, okay. He's, I've lost 35 pounds. I'm off all my medicines, but one, and you're the only person that listened. And I'm like, oh gosh, okay. That just hit differently. And it was something I couldn't get out of my brain, but I was also the primary breadwinner in my family. And I'm trying to figure out how to support my family. And I just knew at that point, this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life was coach. And couldn't put language to why and ended up uh, a couple of years later after a variety of different things happened in my personal life, I found executive coaching. I was stuck. I was burned out. I was just in this place of overwhelm in my personal life and found a, a coach just randomly who was like, hey, I'm doing this leadership development course over a year. Come join me. Decided to do it and spent a year. She coached me every other week with the other group of people. And I found language to why I love coaching. I believe in people so deeply. I believe in the ability to change. I believe that we are all good and we just need somebody to believe in us. So I was sitting with this and trying to figure out what to do with this new information. This is 2018 to 2019. And I'm like, I don't know exactly where to go with this. And at that point, that's when my marriage fell apart. So we had been struggling for years and I wanted to tell this part of the story too, because I have identified with working with people that relationships are just really hard. They're very challenging. And I think sometimes what happens is when something doesn't work out, people feel so guilty and shame sets in. And part of the story that I tell now to to clients who have maybe gone through that or are experiencing something similar in challenging relationships, no matter what happens, you have the decision to get to a point of reconciliation, no matter what happens. I'll come back and answer the part of that to where uh, things shifted for us. But anyway, 2019 was when I found the language of just needing to coach full-time and then ended up deciding to do that. Separated from my then husband, started out on my own and then started working full-time with a company doing health coaching and then part-time doing my business. So ramped up my business. And in this process, what happened with my ex-husband and the way we co-parent our kids has become this beautiful relationship that we are just so for our children and we are so for each other in just a different capacity. But it required both of us to grow. And we came to this conclusion and this kind of path that with our individual growth and separation that we just wanted to 
co-parent as best we could. And that meant hard conversations. And that meant us really fighting for each other in a different capacity. But I guess the reason I wanted to share that again was just because I've seen so many people have such, they wrestle with the decision on what to do. And I don't think it's defeat. I actually think that there's something beautiful that can happen when we recognize like what we're fighting for if the relationship doesn't work out. Started my business. And so now this is what I do full time. I get to help people with relationships, conflict. I get to help them develop into leaders and become who they want to be. Oh, Becky, what an amazing story. First of all, I commend you. There are a lot of people who have figured stuff out like you. And there's a lot of people who are trying to figure this stuff out. So I commend you for figuring that stuff out during a difficult time in your life. One of the things that resonated with me, I mentioned before we started podcast in my intro about my love for leadership. And I just love when you said the ability to change. Because when you said patient said to you, thank you, because you were the first one to listen to me. What caught me was, and I think that a lot of leaders struggle with this. And it's the fact that when you were listening to someone on your team, I think there's two different scenarios. One is that you're listening to them because they need help with a solution. And the other aspect of it is that you were listening, and I call this listening with pause. And when I say listening with pause, that means that you were listening to them with no solution. You were just listening to them to listen. And what that tells me from that patient was And what everybody else, unfortunately, was doing was they were not listening to him. They were just listening to find a solution. But you listened to him intensely with pause. And for me, that is leadership to a T. Yeah, I've heard that recently, too. I think it framed just a little bit differently, but that's a beautiful way to put it of just listening intently without having words to say after. And I feel like with being a PA, that was something I learned that I had the ability to listen longer than doctors do because they're strapped with time. Generally, their time frames to see patients is a little bit less than what I had. That was, I guess, one of the gifts of being a PA and not a physician was I had the ability just to really intently listen to what people were wanting. That was, I think, just a really cool thing to be able to explore what else like God had for me or what else I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, you are exactly where you're supposed to be from your story, from my conversations with you as well. You were doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And I could see why people want to work with you and learn from you as well. Our topic today is something that you deal with or talk about a lot, and it is leadership intensive. So what I would like for you to do is explain to everyone, what the concept of leadership intensive. Sure. Yeah. So it can be twofold. So think of it individually. And then as a team, individually, what we do is we go over uh, someone's stories, how they grew up, the influences they had, the experiences they had, so the leaders they came in contact with. That's part of it. And then there's voice. So their personality type, and then it's choice. So the decisions they've made thus far. And then rhythms, relationships, and then I come up, help them uh, get a game plan for where they want to head next. So it's like a six part session for an individual. For a team, it's very similar, but it's more like where are we at as a team? 
And we ask a variety of different questions to benchmark where people are uh, in things uh, related to things like communication, relationships, alignment, execution capacity. So there's a formula that I'm using to gauge the health of the team initially. And then it's going into voice of, okay, let's talk about personalities and then team dynamics. So it's like a three-part session, but more of a organizational benchmark at the beginning for the team intensive. So there's two different sectors. Within the individual intensives, the main individual intensive is about eight to 12 hours. So it's very deep and it is very purposeful. It is intentional to try to uncover patterns of how we grew up, narratives we've been taught, uh, and then doing a deep dive into our voice with stress patterns, how to stay healthy with our personality type, all of those types of things. So it is intense. And then the mini intensive really scales back. It's more so with story values, like core values that you may have, and then it's voice, and then really going into that mini game plan after that. So there's different formulas that I use depending upon the leader that I'm working with. It's amazing that you say you know, how we've grown up. So I know myself, when I grew up, my late parents would teach me, like when I go to a friend's house, call them by Mr. or Mrs., always thank them for everything. Thank you for supper. Thank you for having me over. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. That was how I was brought up. A lot of leaders are brought up in a certain manner, meaning if a company, for example, is like in business for 40 years, let's just say, and they have someone that started it 40 years ago, they've been running the company the same way for 40 years. So that means that they're teaching those leaders because they've been successful, how to lead. Leadership, I believe, is ever-changing. And I believe that people are demanding, especially employees, are demanding so much more from the leader, not just to tell them what to do or instruct them or guide them. They're, They're needing so much more today. It's interesting to look at how I was brought up and then how me personally, I age myself here, but 10, 15, 20 years ago, what I was taught by leaders and Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing. Yeah. I think those are both great examples. And it just shows how people can grow up in different households and have different ways that they're just groomed essentially, but like manners, habits you learn as you're growing up, mindsets that you get from your parents, all of that plays a part into how you show up as a leader now. So learning respect, learning like disciplines or habits that you have, learning even just different roles that you play, right? All of that is learned to some capacity or or something. And we all have leaders that were interjected into our lives. I think of a track coach that I had in high school who was one of the most influential people in my life. And he was the first person who saw something in me. He's like, you have so much potential. So he like called me up to that. And I think there's always these benchmark leaders who are like, so influential. And the example that you gave too, I love that. That's a great example of the the business that's been in the family for several years and recognizing that maybe it has been how it's done 20 years ago or so, and then into this generation even, but generations now, younger millennials and Gen Z are more entrepreneurial in spirit. They love flexibility. They want the feedback. They want to do really good work, but they also want to have it project driven. So it's really tapping into the motivation of this group of people and understanding what gets them like excited to come to work. And it's different than it was. I was talking to a leader about that the other day. 
these was used to be like 401ks or pensions we would get so excited about. And now they're like, nope, that's old table stakes. That doesn't even get them excited to come to work anymore. And they're right. They know that there's got to be some different types of benefits that are brought to the table because they know that's not effective anymore. Yeah, because you just said it. We, we spend so much time at work that we need to enjoy our day. We spend more time at work than we do with our own families. So you don't want to be in a situation where you're like, oh my God, Monday morning, oh, I got to go. I don't know what it's going to be like today. It's probably going to be a madhouse, but I don't want, I really don't want to go through that today, or I don't want to see so and more, or I don't want to deal with my boss today. I know they're going to be on me because I finished that project on time. And in that anticipation is that anxiety is kicking in and you're catastrophizing what could possibly go on during the day before they even arrive there, where it needs to be in a situation where you want to have that passion for what you're doing. So I totally understand exactly where you were going as far as the concept. And I love that concept as well. So why is leadership intensive so important for today's leaders? Yeah. So one of the things people, like organizations need now to attract people is on having a clear sense of values clear sense of organizational values. So if I'm working with a team and they haven't even gone over that, maybe last five, 10 years, whatever that might look like, I really want to help them establish clear boundaries of what their people operate within. And those are what those like values do for organizations. So mission, vision, values are something we establish in those types of meetings. Those are really important. The intensive for a, let's say a CEO or somebody C-suite or somebody that's a VP, something like that, The reason I might suggest doing one is if they're experiencing burnout, they're experiencing high levels of stress, and they're trying to recalibrate, that's the fastest way for me to help them because I can understand them so much deeper, uh, so much faster. There are internal motivations that we all have to understand about ourselves that can increase our amounts of stress. So high perfectionism tendencies, people pleasing, there are tendencies in those of us who just love work, we love what we do, or Potentially like we're under so much stress to perform that we can't delegate. Those are some real issues that we have to figure out about a person in order to help them recalibrate and get out of stress. So it's preventing burnout because we don't fight, we don't function in our highest capacity if we're actually burnt out. And if we're still trying to juggle those moderate to high levels of stress before burnout happens, it's a way to cut that off and then start taking some measures to really help that person. So I would say those are the main things um, where I would suggest a leadership intensive. I love too what you mentioned about figuring stuff out. I love the fact that each individual, I believe things motivate them in a different manner. What motivates me, Becky, is what is probably is going to be way different than what motivates you. And I think it's a leader that has to figure that out because you want to maximize productivity of each individual person on your team, you can't treat one person the same or tell one person one thing the same way as the other. I think in certain ways you can. I think uh, check and see if everybody's okay, if anybody needs help or or what have you. I think that's important or let everybody know that, hey, I'm going to uh, this meeting. It's about an hour and I'll be back in about an hour. If there's anything that you need help with, let me know when I'm back. I think communication is uh, key as well. And I think I agree with you. All those things are super important. And I believe that this program or leadership intensive can help leaders to get there for sure. 
Yeah. It's definitely a way to understand themselves on a deeper level. And I love what you said about communication in the intensive process too. There's a deep dive that you get to because often there's this wall of self-preservation that we run into for people that can prevent us from building lasting relationships or deeper relationships with people. So we uncover what those things might be and then help people get over that wall in order to have those lasting relationships. So part of that is helping them establish healthy communication with those they're leading. So definitely is part of that communication piece. For sure. And and there's a lot of leaders too that are just starting out. They've never been a leader before. So this program can help leaders to figure out what their capabilities are and to help them to learn what their abilities are. And being a lifelong learner like myself, you figure out what things you're good at as a leader and what things that you can improve as a leader. It's the same thing as a business owner. You mentioned delegating. There's certain things that you're good at as an owner, which I believe you are a leader when you're an owner of a business. Mm-hmm. And there's certain things that you're very good at and there's certain things that you're not. But if you're concentrating, if you're doing those things that you're not very good at, it could hurt some things as well. Delegating or having the ability and willpower and not being scared to delegate because you're afraid of something happening or somebody taking over what you're doing or what have you. Just learning the fact that, that person is going to help you to progress a little bit further than where you're going to go. And it's the same thing as a team. When you're leading a team, they are going to help you to get further in the game and probably even concentrate on things that you need to be doing as a leader rather than concentrating on stuff, which I think everything is important, but there's certain things that I think a leader needs to be concentrating on for sure. Yeah, yeah, beautifully said. Yep. Would you say that leadership intensive will help leaders I know that a lot of leaders, when they go into a leadership role, especially ones that are not familiar with it, they don't realize that there's going to be some good times and there's going to be some hard times. So does leadership intensive help people deal with stress and those hard times? And how how does it do? Yeah, that's a great question. So what, the way we do development for leaders is we really help them develop from the inside out. It really is understanding deeply their tendencies towards stress. I'll use myself as an example. So the system we use is called Five Voices and it's based off Myers-Briggs. So we do like best fit experience, which tells us if we're introverts versus extroverts, intuitives versus sensors. Thinkers versus feelers, you probably know all this language, but, and then judges versus perceivers. And that's the four letters you get from Myers-Briggs. Our company took it and they condensed it into voices with sticky language. So it helps scale within organizations. The purpose is to create a language where everybody can understand it, use it. And then it really helps communication and relationships build in that manner. My voice is a creative. Based on Myers-Briggs, I'm about 1.2% of the population. (laughs) I'm a little bit unique. And I know you're laughing. Because I think you're unique anyways, Becky, but that's just me. I'm biased. So it's interesting because the creative first voices have very high levels of perfectionism. They see the world in an idealistic way. So they want to meet the standards of perfection. And it almost killed me. And and once I recognize that, I'm like, this is why I feel like nothing I ever do is good enough. And that was a tendency that I'm like, I either have to do something to bring that level down, or I'm going to kill myself trying to be perfect. 
And I wanted to be perfect for other people. I wanted to be everything I could be for everybody else. But that really just left me feeling empty and I couldn't give any more. So it was a realization that I had to come to. So that's just like an example for the first voice creative, what we deal with. If I'm working with somebody who's wired like me, that's one of the tendencies I'll go over. Like perfectionism usually rings a bell. It's something people get. They're like, oh yeah, I have that. I'm like, okay, so how is that showing up? How are you either having the same high expectations in your team or in your family? Or like, well, how is it manifesting? Because it is somehow. So we have to do that work on ourselves for what's uh, acceptable. What's a new standard? It's not here now. It's not really high. It's got to be brought down a little bit. So that's just an example of a tendency because we will burn out if we just continue to have those same levels and try to meet the needs of everybody around us. And I could see that because I could see a leader walking into a situation where all kinds of stuff is happening at the same time. And the first person that everybody on a team looks at is the leader. And how is the leader reacting? So if the leader is being calm and speaking in a calm demeanor, okay, guys, let's figure this out. Let's do this. Let's sit down. Let's have a discussion. Let's figure this out. In a calm demeanor, then the team is going to be calm. If they're heightened with the chaos and they are not dealing with it and they're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Then everybody's going to follow that. They're going to see that. And then they're going to be like, oh my God, well, if they're heightened, if they're stressed out, then I can't help but be stressed out as well. So I I think we need to learn to be a calming figure and um, figuring out, okay, what's going on? And either listening to say, okay, what's happening with the team? What's going on? Or what's happening with this? And just letting them speak either for a solution or listening with pause to say, okay, now that I hear everybody say, okay, thanks for listening. I feel so much better now that I got it off my chest. Yeah. Yep. It really is. It's the ability to be fully present. And I actually did a podcast episode for my podcast today. I was interviewing an ER doc and the ER is a very tough place to be, especially right now. But um, interviewing her, she had done some coaching and some work and she said, I'll be honest. She's I just forgot to breathe sometimes like stress can get to us so easily. And she's, I walked away several times, like when things were really heightened or stressful and before I would have reacted. And she's, I decided that I'm going to take deep breaths and they really help. And I'm going to walk away from situations and collect my thoughts before I react. And it's, it sounds simple, but in the moment when things are stressful, you have tension around you. That's when it can get really stressful and tough being a leader. So it is knowing yourself and how you can collect your thoughts and be fully present with people to try to be that calm voice. All of that. If you could choose one word to describe yourself, Becky, what word would that be? That's a really good question. I would say probably empathetic. Yeah, I feel like I can see perspective. I can see everyone's perspective in in something. So I'd say empathy, empathetic. I could totally see that in you from your story earlier, a lot of times I know for myself when I've gone through something and the other people down the road who have gone through the same thing, you are more empathetic to the situation. Now, I never say that I fully understand because everybody is different, Mm -hmm. but I always say because I've gone through it, I can sympathize with you and 
try to see if I can be there to support you and help you. But if you've not gone through it, it's hard to understand what somebody's thinking or what they're going through. So I, I definitely see that in you for sure. And I can tell that's where that came from because of the stuff that's happened to you and what you've had to overcome for sure. Yeah, I think this is like a weird perspective probably on everything, but <laughs> but I'll share it anyway. I think those stories, like the stories of where we feel most broken can be the most healing once we look at it from a place of growth. Right. There's a Netflix series, I think it's called Stutz or that uh it might just be like one show, it might be a couple of shows. I don't know if you've seen it yet. But it's it's a psychologist talking about various tools that he uses in his practice. And he actually talks about it as there's three things we have to deal with in life, uncertainty, pain, and growth. So we have to go through those. That is something people cannot get away from. And it just hit me because I'm like, we get to focus on which of those three are in the moment too. So inevitably, we're going to experience uncertainty for going through something like COVID taught us that there was nothing certain. There was no we had no idea what was happening. Painful for a lot of us who love people and love being around people, but there was growth from it. And I think a lot of uh, people after the fact saw some good that came from COVID. So we got to see some perspective that was at least semi-positive. I know I certainly did. And I look at that with my marriage as well. There were certain things that were really tough, but at the end of it, we created this relationship that is the best thing that could have happened for my kids. And at the end of the day, I don't feel guilt, guilt or shame about it at all because I'm like, this was the path I was supposed to take. No, and I totally understand. And for myself, I have adopted, especially in the last couple of years, I look at situations and I ask myself, is it in my control? If it is, then I try to figure it out. If it isn't, I don't ignore it. But I say I can be here, but I don't have any control over that. So I'm just going to let the people that control the situation and I'm just going to be a bystander. Because if you're trying to get involved in something that you don't have control of, it's just going to drive you through a wall and crazy. It's just not good for our health. That's what I try to do now. I won't say that I am not perfect at that. There are times where I kind of go over the rails sometimes, but I'd say for the majority of the time, that's my thinking and that's what I try to do. Yeah, that's so helpful. And I think the more we step into that and recognize that we have that ability to make those choices, it really does help free us from some of the pain maybe, or the the uncertainty. It's just what's in my control. How can I be the best that I can be within the scope of where I have decision-making power? That's beautiful. Thank you. Any final thoughts today? Oh, goodness. Honestly, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to come on and talk about something that's dear to me, which is leadership and same with you. Just being able to have good conversations with people is one of the best gifts. So just appreciate you, Andrew. Appreciate that. I want to say thank you to you as well. From our first conversation ever, I just knew that this conversation would go so well. I think that your ability to speak so clearly with compassion and empathy and to just be willing and open to having discussions and not just with people that you know really well, but people that you don't know so well, 
I think that is truly something that is a valuable characteristic that somebody can have. And I definitely appreciate you having that ability and to be open to having a conversation with me the very first time and being open to schedule this today. So thank you so much for for being here today and I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy lady. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Oh my goodness. It is absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for your time, Andrew. Very welcome. So on behalf of myself and my guest, Becky, I would like to thank you all for listening today. And until next time, be safe and remember that if we all work together, we can accomplish anything. You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe.